Hello, my friends. Welcome to this week's podcast. This week, I have Matt Venucci, who's a Hong player and an amazing musician who I've actually been following for quite a long time, um, particularly because I find his playing style interesting because it's not, to me, isn't as drum-based and is more melodic and song-like than some of the sort of drum-based players that are in the world of handpan and Hong. So I'm excited to have him tell us a little about himself and his creative process. So thanks for being here, Matt. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. What's your background with music? How did you, how did you get involved in the musical worlds? Well, I grew up in a family of 10 siblings. Mom and dad had 10 kids and my dad played jazz piano. He was one of these kind of uh, you know, I guess he was a, a, a prodigy in the sense that he didn't read music. He didn't study music. He just started playing piano and, and just kind of taught himself and became quite a fabulous uh, by ear player jazz pianist who played with people like Tony Bennett when he came through town back in the day. And wow. he was the house piano player at this place called the Club 86, which is still there, believe it or yep. not, in Geneva, yep. New York, my hometown, which is where I'm, I'm staying right now. And uh, so dad, uh, you know, uh, there's two pianos in the house and an organ and everybody had to learn piano growing up. And I kind of went into it with interest. But then I, 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 after a while, I just started realizing that, you know, it, it was too much like studying. It was too much like math to me. It was too analytical. And my, I wanted to be like my dad, you know, I would, I would listen to him. I'd, I'd actually sneak under the piano, you know, and he wouldn't even know I'm there. And I and just listen to him play and just lay there and just absorb what he was doing. And I don't know, man, I just felt like I wanted to do that. And, and, and I, but I couldn't, I didn't have that uh, technique and, and I really didn't put a lot of time into it. But uh, so over time, I, you know, I started just kind of making things up on the piano and a lot of it sounded strange and, and avant-garde. And my mm -hmm. mom finally said, look, you don't have to take lessons anymore <laughs> if you don't want to. So, so that was like my way out. But I wasn't done with music, you know, so I decided I was going to take up the trumpet. Okay. Uh, which was a, a, a louder sound and I could play over Absolutely. everybody else, you know? So I was like, yeah. get me one of those. So actually ended up getting a flugelhorn. We had some trumpets in the house, you know, I don't know where they came from, but, you know, and I always felt like I was blowing into some antique thing that was valves were always sticking and, right. and the, the mouthpiece wasn't really you know, something I would pick out myself. Mm. So finally, I actually got a decent instrument, you know, probably about two, three hundred dollar flugelhorn, and, and took lessons and uh, and and you know stayed with it for a while. And then I went to college and dropped it all completely. Uh, you know, I played a little bit of horn in college, but not not much. I never played in bands or anything like that. But then I walked into a club uh, when I visited in Boston, and I saw a guy named Mike Matheny. Pat Matheny's brother. I don't know if you know who Pat is. Yep. And he was playing something called an electronic valve instrument, which is this, you know, uh -huh. kind of strange MIDI wind synthesizer. Have you seen this? Have you? Yes. Seen oh, yeah. This? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can play any sound, you know, basses, you know, or even like drums. So I, I could play. I mean, back in the day, I didn't have. MIDI, so it was all just based on analog synthesis. But now <clears throat> I've got a looper and MIDI with this thing, so I can actually create just about anything I want on the spot. And then, you know, sing along with it, do spoken word, play along with it with a hung, whatever, yeah. the keyboards, whatever I, you know. So 
but back in the time in the day i didn't know what this was but i I fell in love with it and mike told me that you know they didn't make these anymore Mm -hmm. and uh his brother pat got it for him down in uh, sam ash music in new york city so I called the place and they said, yeah, they, you know, they don't really make them anymore, but if one comes back, they'll get a hold of me. So lo and behold, one, uh, they called me a few months later and one had come back. And for several hundred dollars, I was able to obtain an early version of the EVI wow. and electronic valve instrument. And I didn't know how to use it. There was really nothing, nobody out there to teach me. So I just kind of figured it out over time. Mm-hmm. And then the company Akai Corporation, maybe I'm giving you too much information. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. The company Akai Corporation decided that they were going to try to produce it and distribute it. Yeah. And so they bought the rights from the, uh, the original maker named Niall Steiner. And uh, they hired me to be their demo guy. That's amazing. Myself and Michael Brecker. I don't know if you know who he is or was. He passed away. But, uh, you know, and, and maybe two or three other guys were flying around the country and demonstrating wow. the electronic valve instruments. Really so that was my first gig. professional gig, you know, in the wow. mid-80s. And uh, then I, you know, decided to move to California. Uh, my sister passed away, and it was kind of a, a, a big uh, kind of devastating time for that for me. And, 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 and something came to me, and, and it was, I felt like her spirit was coming to me and saying, man, just do music. Just forget about everything else in your life and just follow your bliss, do your music. So I moved to California and uh, I, I started my band, The Venusians, and I, and I was the leader of the band with the electronic valve instrument as, and as a vocalist. And the band went through a lot of incarnations. Uh, but uh, in, in over years of playing and playing on big festival stages and doing cool gigs like at Burning Man and, uh, you know, actually doing underground shows in San Francisco and way above ground shows like for Google and Microsoft, Microsoft and Apple. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause we were, we were right there in the, when the uh, dot com boom was happening. Right. So they were hiring us because we had these, all these cool instruments. We yes. had like, you know, early sequencers on stage. We were probably one of the first bands to play with uh, with sequencers, so it was just kind of like electro pop world band. Wow! And uh, so we were riding high on that, but over time, I was starting to just feel like I wanted something else in my life that was acoustic, and and I wasn't being called back to the trumpet and the piano, and uh, and so somebody told me they'd seen the hung, or an early version of it at Burning Man, mm-hmm. and I think you probably may have seen, or a lot of people saw this, this video of this guy kind of banging it on the ground and doing all kinds of. Yes spinning it and doing all kinds of crazy stuff from Burning Man. And I, you know, I didn't know anything about it. I just thought, geez, what is that thing? You know, I want one of those. So, uh, you know, and I tracked, my friend uh, helped me track down uh, at least the name of the instrument. And, you know, the word came back, oh, they're not making them really. And they're not, for, and I was, you know, kind of the same thing with the EVI. But I was persistent and um, I joined a Yahoo users group of hung players, which was like 30 people large at the time. Yeah, yeah I, for, I forgot about Yahoo. You hear uh, about that? The groups, Yahoo yeah, yeah. It, it dissipated really quick after <laughs> other forums started to happen. But yeah. uh, so I was, uh, you know, somebody wanted to sell one on that users group. I think they're based in the Northwest or something. Okay. Uh, and, I, and I bought it for like $400, yeah. which I think was the going rate for a hung back yeah. then. And, uh, and so I had a hung and then I found out how to order one. And I got Ron Kravitz from who was distributing Ron. for, you know, know. Ron. Yeah. yeah. So he was distributing for pan art. So I was, uh, 
I, I decided I needed to get one that was going to match this one. So I mm-hmm. asked them to make a particular kind of custom thing and they, and they sent me one. Uh, he, you know, they got me one uh, eventually. Ron got me one anyway. And, uh, and suddenly I had these two hungs and I, and I created an album called the dance of the helix and I sent it to, to Switzerland as a thank you. Hey, thanks for these, making these beautiful instruments and uh, uh, Felix and Sabina wrote back saying, "Hey, we love your your album. Come out and visit 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 us sometime." And and that started the whole kind of yearly uh, visits to Switzerland and bringing back another hung and some. That's how it all started. That's amazing. That's amazing. Do you remember what the scale was of your first? Of course you do. I'm sure. But what was the first scale that you had, and then what was the second one that you? Uh, the first one I had was a. Uh, kind of an F Lydian. Okay. Yeah. And the second one was uh, like a C major, nice. you know, pentatonic. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's amazing the variety of scales that were being produced in the first generation. Yeah. Of instru- yeah. Like, I never knew such scales existed. I didn't either. And, and yeah. it, I think they, they did a pretty good job of matching the scale to the geometry of the instrument too. Even the stranger one still had their own, mystique to them i wouldn't necessarily want to own all of the scales that they produced um tonally but i think even the strange ones are fantastic in their own way for sure yeah yeah, yeah. you know i found that you know i i would i would bring back a hung and i would say to myself I, I, you know wow what could i do with this i mean there's like right. seven possibilities or something like that i just kind of kind of came into it with, with a linear frame of mind mm. you know like and and but over time i i realized boy you, there's a lot you can do with just one instrument Absolutely. you know variations of scales you didn't think were there yep. like people used to say to me you know what kind of scale was it and i thought more like well you know okay so there's the you know a scale that you can play you know up and down yep. but then you could do you know and i and again i approached it from a, a non musician's frame yes just because i didn't i wasn't really a accomplished musician i was a uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I'm an, an accomplished musician, but not a theory person. Yes, of course. So I was more of an ear guy. So I, yeah. I kind of approached it that way. So I didn't analyze the the notes. In fact, I couldn't even tell you what the notes are. I guess I maybe could on the two hungs that I have yeah. now. But um, I like yeah. that approach though, because that's that's my background as well. Too my my first sort of venture into music was guitar, um, but my background was never in percussion. I got really interested in world music. And then I discovered the hung a, a long time ago. And it wasn't until, um, I don't even remember how many years ago, seven or eight years ago, that I had a chance to actually play one. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it kind yeah. of spiraled from there. But but I like, I, know, I love your playing, by the way. I've, thank I've you. been I watching you on Instagram and it's like, damn, you know, you you got a, a really great feel. And it's, uh, thank you. yeah, I really, really uh, have an appreciation for that. And you seem to have like, I don't know where you get all these instruments. <laughs> I mean, are you you're are you kind of distributing them or how's that? No, work? I'm kind of in a relationship with with different makers and uh-huh. they like my music and then you know I make them content and play on their instruments. That's, oh, that's great! It's been fun. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's a really it's amazing to me how much things have changed and evolved with that shape of an instrument. Um, mm-hmm. Even just changes in steels, changes in you know geometry. But I think the initial feeling and the initial timbre of the hung is so distinct, even now, 
among all of these instruments. It just has a very, very particular feel yeah. to it. Um, yeah, I noticed that there's, uh, in the earlier versions especially, that there was this kind of like almost haunting kind of yes. almost a cry you know like a yeah resonance that had this yeah you're right a very distinctive kind of resonance yeah, yeah. No. between the different generations what which one would you say calls to you the most yeah uh, i get this question sometimes and i i would say definitely the free integral hung just because mm. there's many many uh more I don't know. It just seems like there's, I, I wouldn't say more variations because mm. I noticed that with the second generation hung that I have, I can also explore in, in, in many different variations and, and create different timbres and different scale options and possibilities. But there's something about the, the sound and resonance of the free integral hung that, that, um, that really hits me in a way that it, it, it brings a certain kind of, depth into my soul <laughs> that I really enjoy playing with and listening to. And a lot of people tell me the same thing. Some yeah. people do say I like the second gen better. It just depends on the person, I think. So 100%. I agree. It, it is interesting how, again, how distinct that particular generation is. Because I, I have a, I have an integral hung. So the, right before they started to produce that, this one was from 2000, 2009, I think. Um, uh-huh. But it's even between that year and the year after that when they started to produce the the free integral hung. Right. It what a different sounds. I know the tuning yeah. process is a little bit different too because they weren't using yeah, yeah. The strobe tuning. Well, the free hung was also. I mean, the, the integral hung is is tuned to like within four forty parameters, yeah. right? So the yeah. the free hung was more. We're going to start with one kind of note and then work around that by ear as opposed to, you know, tuning it all with a tuner. And I kind of like that that process. I had a conversation last week with um, a handpan maker, Luna Luna Handpans, and he was talking a lot about the difference between the tuning style of sort of forcing the steel to be a certain note. You know, you can you could tune a note. You have a variety of pitches you could tune it to, but there's particular pitches that that particular steel, that particular instrument and geometry wants to go to, mm-hmm. and it's the same way. I approach flute making or instrument making in general. There, sometimes you go, even though the parameters are all correct, the measurements are correct, the, the whole size is there, it just doesn't want to do that thing. Yeah. But I like the concept of the free integral hum because it seems more like they were moving in the direction that the instrument and themselves wanted to move in in that moment. Yeah. You know, I guess the, uh, there's one way is, uh, I mean, to use the painting by numbers analogy, yeah. you know, it's like you just kind of lose that and you just create something that's wholly new. And I s- suppose there's a certain amount of excitement that goes into that that may, you know, be more tedious if you're, uh, if you're just doing it by watching a tuner or listening to a yeah. tuning fork or however you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. In, in your trips there, what... Which of the newer instruments? I saw a video a little while ago where you kind of went through some of the newer creations mm-hmm. that you you picked up from them. What, which of those? What are the differences between those, and which of those do you feel most connected to? Aside from the gubal, I know you like the gubal a lot. Well, yeah, the gubal is. Um, I love the gubal. I mean, I love them all. Yeah, gubal has got its. You know, it's got a certain character. It's almost like it's a blend of a lot of things. Uh, but uh, you know, it has some of that earlier generation vibe to it but the fact that you can 
you know, play the, all the bass stuff. And I love the sound of the, of the, uh, the ring ding, I guess it's called mm. not, you know, the goo is no longer, but it's the ring ding. So that has this kind of raspy, it's that same kind of raspiness that I loved about the, the earlier hungs that had that, you know, just a characteristic sound, but uh, you know, the Godo mm. is really cool. Uh, you know, I'm not a percussionist, so, you know, let me just be clear about that. I, I, I don't, I'm not a, I don't have a skillful, I mean, I, I learned some percussion techniques just from playing the hung. I didn't like study percussion, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I guess I applied some a piano rhythm or whatever, just rhythm, rhythm in general from playing the hung, but I'm not a percussionist, but I, but I do love the Godo and the Gudu and in, in the, in the, um, the, the Getty, the Gidi, mm-hmm. the little one. Yeah, it's so much fun because you can just carry it around with you. So yeah, I'm like just kind of developing my own little percussive techniques that are elementary, but I really do love it, and I love that you can get like a like a seven tone bass sound out of this little thing. You wow. know, it's really amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that takes a little little um, doing, but I I really had a good time. So those are great. And then of course, of course, the hung ball is a little bit more like the goo ball. Uh, kind of a combination of the goo ball and the integral, I guess you might say. Yeah. But the power of these instruments, you know, unless you're, you know, pre, uh, uh, multi-tracking, the power of these instruments is really in playing in, in groups. Right. And I think that's what, what uh, Panart had in mind when they were making these, is to create uh, instruments that people can play together with. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing holds down the bass, another thing is more melodic, you know, so it goes in that direction and... Um, so, you know, I, I like them all. Uh, again, my, my, I guess if I, I'd say I had a desert island instrument, it'd probably be the free integral hung. Yeah. But, you know, I try to, try to spread out my time with these things. But well, those other instruments, the newer instruments, I use more for recording. Okay. And, uh, and I did some uh, a, a meditation type of CD. I, uh, the Sanctuary at Sedona is out in Sedona, Arizona, and they hired me to uh, do these... Uh, uh, guided meditations. Mm. So I would record their meditation and then do music around them. But nice. they, it's not like a meditation like you would think. I mean, it's more tribal sometimes, you know, and more, more rhythmic. And so I was, uh, it was up to me to kind of bring these elements in depending on what the content was. So I use a lot of the newer instruments for that purpose and it came out really well. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It, they definitely have, I, I feel like the, the intended approach for playing has changed. I remember in the early days, it, it was very clear that they were, they were not a drum. They were not to be played as a drum per se. Um, but I feel like they've, they've embraced the percussive element a little bit more in the last you know, five or six years. Because the Gubal has a percussive aspect to it, especially with that, yeah. you know, the center note. And it, I, I think it's interesting to watch their progression and what they're hoping to pull from, yeah. from that steel. Yeah. It's definitely changed it seems over. over oh, the- for sure. I mean, I, you know, any, I think anybody who is an artist realizes that things, you know, ideas change over time. I mean, I saw what their concepts were. I know that it was met with a lot of, of uh, controversy in terms of, you know, people wanted to call it a drum and, mm. And, and when I first got my first instrument, I, I was uh, of the mindset of, wow, this is not a drum. It's not a piano. It's not a marimba. It's, not, it's, a, it's, a, it's new. It's, it's new. So why even put a tag on it? So I kind of understood that. And I also realized that, you know, playing it harsh or playing it with a lot of force will 
take away some of the beauty of what the instrument has to offer. The nuance that it, the instruments have, especially the later instruments, are are uh, uh, and I'm not just this is not just pan art instruments too. I think a lot of, of the the whole hand pan, you know, all of these have have uh, a nuance to them that if yep. you, you lose that if you play it fast and furious and with, you know, like I have done many times. Of course, yeah. That's kind of the beginning of every player is to play as hard and as fast. Yeah, as you, you know, it's like how, how it, but then you hear that sound that sounds like it, yeah. it's it's just like, oh God, you know, I, there's yes. that horrible sound again that I created. Yeah. And, and you, you try to learn to just kind of like rein it back in again. Right. Yeah. Right. So. It, it definitely is a, is a mindfulness training. Because I think yeah. when we approach, when we approach anything, whether it's guitar or, whatever instrument dynamics are always a tricky thing especially when you're first approaching it because it's if you want to go into it with all of your intention and all of your heart and that often manifests at least for me as playing it too hard or playing it too quickly so it's mm -hmm. a good practice to learn to pull back from that and kind of yeah listen a little yeah. Bit more and yeah i, I still think, get tempted to play fast you know yeah just, which is okay you know, there's nothing wrong energy thing but if the, the trick for me is to play if i want to play fast but don't play with force you know yes like, it's almost yeah. like a little dance, you know, a finger yeah. dance or something. But, but I watch some of these people, you know, hung players or hand pan or whatever that they're playing. I'm like, holy, can I, these guys are like amazing. I mean, right. you know, some of these, some of the, like yourself, for, for instance, you know, I mean, I, I, I think there's just some really, some very sensitive players out there who are, who are really experimenting with amazing uh, timbres and, and rhythms and, uh, you know, things that are off the grid, you know, so. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting to see the shift with people. I think the hung seem to attract, maybe I'm wrong in this assumption, but maybe a 50-50 split of drummers and people who are just very connected to that sound versus the hand pen now. I feel like 70 or 80% of the players have some sort of percussion background, but I'm seeing it shift a little bit more to the other side, so closer to 50-50. I think there's obviously room for all styles of playing because that's kind of the purpose of these instruments is individual expression. Um, but from listening to your music to list listening to other people's music, the approach that I think appeals most to me and I think to an audience that's outside of this community, the Hong Han Pan, you know, is that style that has a little bit more chordal movement and melodic movement and not just a uh, you know full on drum based playing all the time. Mm -hmm. um, what that's what I'm attracted to at least, and that's kind of my yeah. my goal in my playing is to not. The rhythm is always going to be a part of whatever you do, whether you're walking or whether you're gardening or, or playing a handpan or a hum. Mm -hmm. But I think there's players who are looking to evoke emotions through movement melodically, and there's players who are looking to evoke emotion solely through rhythm with the melody as a background to the rhythm. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool to see the, the two different camps approach the instruments in yeah. such yeah. different ways. You know, and I, and I use my, uh, I mean, I've, I've certainly done my share of, of solo hung music and yeah. other of the other instruments that I have of those melodic steel instruments, but the, um, uh, you know, the electronic valve instrument yeah, uh, and, and keyboards and all these things are kind of uh, they're they're a major part of my music too. So I I um, I tend to use the hung as a tool, and and I also use it for my own uh, sanity because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the one instrument that I could sit with and just and just kind of feel free with, and 
Yeah. I mean, I could do that with, with anything too, but there's just something about the connection with that instrument, you know, that visceral yeah. connection. And, and, uh, and now with COVID and, uh, you know, getting kicked off the road <laughs> right. mid tour, right. uh, I'm finding myself back to my earlier days when I first discovered the hung to go out into nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, back in the early days, I would go out into Golden Gate Park and just play and, and, uh, you know, I wasn't panhandling. I was just playing for the fun of playing and, and people would come by and, wow, what is that? You know, and, and, and I'm just finding myself now kind of back into connecting with people out on in nature areas. And uh, it, yeah, it's great. It's in some ways, I mean, I'm looking at the light at the end of the, or yep. the tunnel or something like the, the silver cloud of, <laughs> of all this thing. It's kind of, it's brought me back to my family, back to New York from the West coast and uh, it's bringing me back to some of the basic stuff that I, I had early on that I've kind of lost in a sense. I think um, when, when you're really focused on performing places and playing, you're, you lose some of that creative time. I notice in, in spaces where I'm very occupied and sort of single-mindedly doing things, it, mm -hmm. you miss that creative process, especially taking it to places like a forest or, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to have that higher level of creativity if you're always performing or producing constantly. Oh, yeah. You don't have that. You kind of need that alone time to have mm -hmm. the creative spark to actually produce things. And I think like you said, that's in a sort of convoluted way is the beauty of this whole staying home and kind of, bringing yourself back to your own, your own place of living in your own time, because it's making people evaluate if they're musicians, their approach to their instrument, because they're kind of developing a hopefully more inner understanding of, of how they're approaching things. Cause it's more for them. You're not doing it necessarily for an audience or for mm -hmm. it's creating a different sort of view of, of individuals performances and, and instruments. So. Yeah, there, yeah. there is a good, there is a good aspect to all of this for sure. Well said. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and don't get me wrong. I love performing. I love even being on tour. Yep. It's exciting. It's great to go into new places. It's tedious too at times because I'm never in one place long enough, unless I'm, I rent a place out in Florida for a couple of months and use Florida as kind of a, a touring hub. But, yep. uh, and then the artists and residencies, which were great, you know, that that's always wonderful because I can be in one place and my job is just to go out into right. nature and play. So yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But, do, uh, yeah. do you have any of your instruments with you? Yeah, it's kind of dark now. It's getting cold out here. Back in <laughs> New York State again. Yeah, it's, it's, such a it's been an awesome summer, year. You know? So now we're dealing with, I'm seeing the, the fall coming, or the fall's here, but I'm seeing the winter coming. I'm going, yeah, ready or not. I know. It's. I feel like this year has been, time has been very skewed. You know, yeah. I, I find myself shocked that it's already, you know, the leaves are already turning and falling. Yeah been a quick yeah. quick year in some ways for sure yeah this will probably be my first full-on winter back here for decades interesting I mean, yeah yeah i've been coming back more and more and spending more time in the east coast and the west but and i'd spend you know maybe a maybe december and then i'm off january february down south playing but i think this year i'll probably be here for most of the time yeah yeah, yeah. well it's nice to return home and have 
sort of your own your own time to create. Maybe more more music will come from your your time spent there. I hope so. I hope. So. I bet it will. I bet it will. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any of your instruments nearby you? I'd love to to hear some one of the. I don't know one of the newer instruments. If you have anything. Yeah, I mean they're all around. Yeah. Um, the pro- man Zoom. <sighs> Zoom is not the best for audio. It sounds quality. so bad. I mean, w- with that in mind. I mean, I could just give you a quick. Yeah, just or maybe just show it and talk a little bit about it. Huh. Yeah, again, uh, I mean, I'll, yeah, it's not going to sound great, but that's okay. Obviously, this will not be an accurate representation, but <laughs> yeah, this is Godo, which, you know, the Godo could be played, you know, just straight up, you know, or you can, you know, the, I think the best way to play it is kind of the vertical position. probably can't hear the bass but it's going boom a little bit but not not quite as strong as i'm sure you can well, you know and it's not is good. is the center note the center notes tuned or like the ding section uh, i think that's it must be yeah interesting uh, it's kind of like a mono hand pan with a, a bass elements to it i like that Interesting. Nagiti is this, this cute little thing here that you won't be able to hear the bass again. Yeah, of course. Um, and then Interesting. there's, of course, the. <laughs> Reminds me of my house with all of my instruments. Goodoo. Yeah. That's a very different sound, actually. Interesting. Yeah, so the bass is. Yeah. Those are fantastic. How do you see them them being applied uh, outside of playing with other music, uh, other instruments of that style? Have you seen them being played um, with a guitar or in other other sort of musical situations too? I've done that with my band. I mean, yeah, we, we did a we did a series of gigs. At, sorry, we did a series of gigs at at Google mm-hmm. headquarters, and we were they wanted us to do just kind of like a instrumental um, uh, acoustic thing. So I brought the, the Balu and the Gudu and the Getty and all these things out and, and, you know, my band, uh, they're, they're all actually great percussionists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, two of the guys in the band, uh, who played with me, one is actually a drummer and they, well, they're both amazing drummers and I'm like the, the I'm the, the least <laughs> drummer of all of them, but melodic drummer. But we, but we just got these things rolling, man. It was amazing. Wow. 
And so Daniel uh, also picked up the ukulele or the Cora and played along with that. And, and the other guy at Celso was playing his, uh, his, his kit too. So uh, yeah, it was, it was furious. It was great. People That's really great. enjoyed it. I, I really, uh, I like the way that these instruments, tongue drums as well too, they kind of, they fit well into so many different musical situations, whether it's guitar or piano, they, they kind of just go with everything. I haven't really heard a yeah. combination that I've disliked um, one yeah, paired yeah. with the string instrument or another sure, one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're, they're pretty fascinating. I mean, they're, uh, they're always in the, I guess the process of research and development over there, but right. um, yeah. And you've seen the Balu, right? The Hung Balu. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so that's the, I mean, I can bring it out if you want, but again, it's going to, yeah, it won't do the, justice. To that's it. the more hung like of all of them. Yep. And, uh, but the, God, you know, I, I did, somebody wanted me to do like a meditation or something on zoom and then they sent it back to me and I was like, I wanted to bury my head in the sound. Oh, no. It sounded so bad. <laughs> I mean, I thought Facebook live sounded bad for me, but yeah. when I heard zoom, I was like, Oh man. So that's why I'm a little bit, uh, I think the EVI is probably, I mean, it, you know, this cuts through in a different way. Yeah, it sounds it's, fantastic. It's you were playing it before. Yeah, Feel free to play something if you want to. Feel free to play on it if you'd love to demonstrate. Oh, well, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't know. Do you want to hear something? Uh, yes, please. Um, Not to put you on the spot. But. How's it sound? Is it cracking? Nope. So I've got a, a looper here. I can... pretty cool with the breath expression that you can pretty much play any kind of sound with a so is it pressure sensitive in the same way that a, a flute you could pitch bend a flute if you were to yeah i mean slightly harder? velocity the, velo the breath okay the breath, what is creating the velocity wow. sensitivity and what an interesting it's amazing instrument and it's got you know you can play chords with it you can you know you have an eight octave range and wow. there's this thing called the special button which allows you to do all kinds of fun stuff and and this uh and i changed my sounds with this little uh there's a little like a it's so rudimentary looking but it's like a little screw all these things are like little screw heads and mm -hmm. and when i want to change like to my basses i'll I'll go to the lowest B, which on the trumpet is, you know, the middle valve and, and uh, I go to the lowest octave and I have a, like a, a fretless bass. And another bass on the next octave up and so on. So I've got all my sounds in my head programmed 
to correspond to different octaves and different notes. Mm -hmm. And I can make the change immediately just by hitting that note and then hitting this little switch on the bottom. Interesting. Yeah. Wow, that's, that is fantastic. Kind of an ingenious little instrument here. It really is. Is it self-contained or does it have to be played through uh, like a VA system? Yeah, the earlier one, the first one that I had was self-contained. I mean, it, had, it came with a little tiny suitcase and it was connected to that. Oh, wow. And it, was, it was this little analog synthesizer that you can just, you know, had all these knobs on it. Really cool. Uh, but this one's a MIDI instrument, so I've got it MIDI'd into a, a Roland module that has... I don't know, like all kinds of different options and possibilities. And then I have to shape it to work with the breath sensitivity. So it's a lot of uh, analytical work, you know, that I don't really yep. love doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd rather just sit in the park and play the hung all day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. What, when you go to write a song, um, what is your approach for it? Is it kind of spontaneous or do you have a, Obviously, when you play the hung for long enough, you you kind of have those sounds in your head already, so you know you know where they all are, so you can access them differently mm-hmm. um, than somebody who would be picking it up for the first time. But for you, is it a spontaneous creation, and then you kind of capture that and are able to repeat it, or is it more planned out for you? You know, it it really depends. I mean, if I'm if I'm if I'm inspired by something, you know, either by something that comes to me in terms of a lyric or an event, you know, good or bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I wrote an entire uh, uh, concert worth of material that was inspired in a, in a, in a in kind of a, a difficult way through going through difficult times, you know, and heartbreak and loss of my wife and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I, I um, uh, and then I, you know, I would bring in, I'd be like, okay, this is, I've, I've kind of gone through that. Now I like to bring, a little bit more fun and goofy elements into it. So I'd write songs about the shit that happens to me on the road, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, and I call them songs from the heart of the road and the rhythm of life. So it's kind of a blend of different things that have inspired me or, or have been difficult passages in my life and, uh, or just things that happen on the road, you know? Um, uh, so uh, how does it, how does the whole process happen? I don't, you know, if I'm writing lyrics, that's a process in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And that is extremely time consuming and extremely uh, tedious for me. Uh, but I probably spend just as much time writing lyrics as I do playing my instrument. Yeah. 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 I, I like, um, that. I like that approach too. You, you, I can tell there are some people that are kind of spontaneous lyric writers and it kind of just, happens at the same time as the the song is forming but your your lyrics definitely seem very um, poignant and purposeful so i appreciate the yeah time. maybe 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 too much sometimes i with I could, I could just be like you know it's dating myself here but like steely dan and yep. and have you know write songs that you don't even know what the what they're what they're talking about right. you have no idea yep. but they're great and you right. know all the words but it's like did i ever stop and wonder what does that mean or yeah. what is he talking about or what is he singing and yeah and then a lot of a lot of great songs you don't even know what they're singing you know of course. And i'm always thinking like no they must understand the content because it's important for them to understand it's like ah. well it's kind of like dylan's argument when you know in, in the old interviews he, people would be like oh what does this song mean and he's like i don't know what does it mean to you you know it's like i don't i don't know i just wrote it <laughs> you know yeah well if somebody asked me that question i pretty much answered the same way i like well i don't know how did you feel about it what did yeah you, i like well, that's, that's, i like that though that's a good reflection it, 
I think throwing it back on the listener is, is important because I think you might be trying to say something, but depending on the listener's mood or their previous experiences or whatever, they, they're going to take something different from what yeah. you're doing, even yeah. if you have a different intention, you know? Yeah. 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 I've noticed like, that you're doing uh, I, I've seen your Instagram and you're doing some lyrical songs too. Yeah. My, my background, like I was saying, is in, in guitar. So I, I have a, a whole canon of things that I've written on there. Um, so when I, when I'm approaching these instruments, I'm thinking of them as a songwriter and not really as a percussionist, maybe similar to how you're thinking about it. it it's planful in that I'm not thinking about what, what dyad goes with this dyad or what, what note is this? I, I know the notes on most of the instruments, but music theory is not my thing. I'm, I'm more, I hear, I'm a listener and I'm a reproducer by listening. Mm -hmm. And I, I like to get to know the instruments and then try to say something on them, kind of like I would say on guitar or on, on other string instruments. Cause I think you, there's a lot available on the hong or on a handpan for melodic expression. So mm -hmm. it, the possibilities are very, very broad, even though it's a yeah. limited set of notes, it's sure. It pulls it pulls different things out of everybody who approaches it, mm -hmm. and I think that's that's the curious thing about hearing so many players. The handpan world has exploded. The tongue drum world has exploded in popularity, um, but even though you know there's thousands and thousands and thousands of players playing on a B minor scale or a you know integral scale or whatever it happens to be, there's still nuance and variation in all of those players, even though they're still limited to you know, the eight or nine notes or seven notes mm -hmm. that they have on their instrument. So it's a... Yeah, I think that's the brilliance of, of what, his, what these instruments have to offer is that it's a very simple, uh, you know, kind of approach to music, but yet yep. you, you have to explore, you have to dig deep in order to make yep. it interesting and make it so that it, it, you know, can be expansive and not just repetitive and, or, you know, maybe repetitive is good too. If you're trying maybe. to create some kind of a meditative vibe. Yep. Heck man, some of the most amazing tunes out there in the whole world of kind of meditation, like El Hadra, have you ever heard that? Or yep. oh, some, yeah. of these, some of these journey, you know, these shamanic journey vibes, you know, it's like the same thing over and over mm -hmm. and, and it really can hit you after a while. I guess it just depends on, on a lot of factors, but uh yeah. No, I agree. I, I'm glad to see more people approaching it in a, you know, more of a creative way than just thinking, oh, this is something to, to slam around on. You know, there's, there's so much more to these instruments than just, just that one aspect yeah. of them. For you, when you started to travel to Switzerland, what was, what was that first experience of going to the Hong House like for you? Oh, Visiting Pan Art for the first time. Pure magic. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. I mean, I, it's a it's a hang you know it's a it's yeah. a social environment and <clears throat> it's it's a it's a great hang and and i remember early on i was there with my recorder because i wanted to pick up on you know some of the stuff that was going on there and i actually created a, a little a little cd based on you know with along with some original music and the, the sounds of the of the of what was going on there and conversations between people and yeah i mean you know i think i, I think i heard that like 20,000 or more instruments have been sold since the beginning uh, of uh, pan arts days and if you if you count the visitations and the people who came with the people who were getting their instrument a lot of people come in and out of that place mm -hmm. and uh and and so when i go there i try to just you know I've, i just meet people from all around the world and 
and it was it was an amazing i mean like a lot of languages i didn't speak mm-hmm. so you know there was always somebody there to be able to interpret something felix and sabina both speak like six languages fluently. i'm not surprised <laughs> yeah yeah wow. yeah but uh you know it's it was magic and you know just getting there flying into zurich and taking the train and then you know getting a little you know hostel or airbnb or something mm-hmm. nearby and then walking through the streets of Bern and down this little, you know, staircase in nature and, uh, and then being on the RA river and walking up the river. And then there's the hung house and it's, it's, it's really, it's really a, an amazing place. And they're very graciously accept uh, your, your, you know, very, they're very great with company. You know, they mm-hmm. really want to bring you, you know, make sure that you have some coffee or a glass of wine or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is that you need or want. And, yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's just, it's great. It's exploring, it's exploring something new. So, um, I have nothing but great memories there. That's amazing. Yeah. It, it seems very community based. I feel like the, the initial influx of Hong players, I think, seem to think of the instrument in a different way than it's perceived now. And I don't know if it's just because they were there during the initial spark and it was, you know, it, it still does have that magic, but I feel like 10, 12 years ago, it, it was so new to people and so new to the internet even as well. So it's, it's amazing to see that even though there's a lot more availability of similar instruments, there's still that intense desire to, to play them and to see them and to hear them, you know? Yeah. I'm not aware of that so much because I, I, you know, I'm kind of insular in a sense. I, yeah. I'm on my own. You know, I haven't been to a gathering. I haven't played. With, I, I certainly know people and I have good friends who are, who are, you know, kind of more involved with the whole, you know, exterior hand pan world. And, yeah. and some of them, he even uh, had me play at their places and, and I'm good friends with some of the makers and all that, but I, I'm not, uh, I'm not that familiar with the people or the desire around the hung anymore or if that even exists because mm. there's such a, a bloom of other instruments out there but yeah i never wanted to exploit it i mean i had some instruments early on when i had three or four hung i gave a couple of them back as gifts i just mm. you know i got plenty now you know so uh but i i you know i had three or four hungs in a circle and and i would play them and and uh and i realized that um early on that I was starting to use my analytical mind too much. I had to have them set up in a certain position mm-hmm. and, and then I'd have to uh, remember, you know, kind of, it was more like playing the piano in a sense. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I, I kind of realized that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching this in a way that it doesn't really resonate with the way that I felt the, the initial spark of the hung. Mm-hmm. So I got rid of what I didn't need and I kept what I have and, and, uh, and, and just play with one hung now, because it's not that I wouldn't play with two. I just don't have two that work together. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, and I used to, but I, uh, you know, and I, I just, I didn't want to early on, you know, I put some videos out there and I took them offline because I had, I was surrounded by all these hungs and people really wanted a hung, you know? So <laughs> I just felt weird. Like, you know, like I'm some kind of a, a hung hog or something. So <laughs> I just kind of like, I took those videos offline and I just realized, you know what? I like just playing one yep. and you, singing along with it or not. And just, you know, kind of go in that direction. Although if I end up with another one someday that does work with what I have, uh, you know, it's, it wouldn't be beyond me to play two at a time again. Right. 
I don't even know how that part of the conversation came up, but no, I, I appreciate that. It did. <laughs> it's, yeah. I think that that's kind of, there's also two camps in the handpan, probably the Hong world too, where it's people really believe in the simplicity of playing and that we should have, you know, seven or eight or nine notes. And that is the purest form of these instruments. And then there's the other camp that's very much about adding as many notes as possible. Like the instrument, there has has uh, eighteen notes, uh-huh. so it's it's you know, not that's a difference. I I don't I've never played one. I've never been around one. I've only seen it online. Is there a difference in the in the timbre and the the resonance, the the sound quality when you have more notes? So I think there's there's always a trade off. Um, mm-hmm. Depending on the maker, it it's a minor trade off or it could be a major trade off. Um, there's notes like the smaller notes tuned into it. They're, they're not tuned with um, an octave and a compound fifth. They're tuned usually just with one other note, so usually just the octave. So like these, these little guys uh, right there. So they have a different sound to them. I'd say the, the higher notes tuned like that sound more akin to a steel pan. They have that sort of timbre to them. Um, but if if it's a good a good maker who has good control over the steel, they can sound pretty clean, but they also can sound very messy. Um, mm-hmm. So it just it really depends on the scale and and the, where the maker's at in their own creation. But yeah, it, it's a sacrifice though because the the approach for this is completely different than playing on my integral hum. Like I'm not think, even thinking the same way. Right. But Are the, you playing it vertically? Is that how you're doing it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking about it in the sense that I'm keeping one hand devoted to maybe a rhythm on the right side and then filling in with the left side a melody on top of that. Mm-hmm. So it, it opens up a lot of possibilities. I'm not a big stand player either. A lot of people who play bottom note instruments like stands, but I just I like to have it on my lap when I'm playing it. Um, but that's just a it's a personal aesthetic. Sort of oh, I'm a lap guy too. And yeah. I feel I like there's a better connection with me of the instrument. And then also there's something that I notice is when the instrument starts to slide off of my lap a little bit. Yeah. And I have to actually stop and, and grab it and just push it up a little bit, that that yeah. becomes part of the performance. Because yes. all of a sudden I'll, I'll hit, like when I'm, when I'm grabbing it, bringing it up, I'll hit a, 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 a tone that I normally wouldn't hit. And I'm like, wow, that sounded pretty that cool. That works. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. So that's, that's kind of like part of the... Uh, part of the whole shtick you know it's like yeah. just every so often just a little jing, you know you know mm-hmm. so yeah but you know people like stands use a stand yeah and i i get it i guess if if you were in a particular context it would it would make sense to yeah. do that i mean i use stands early on because i was playing more than one instrument yeah if you have three or four then you either need pillows or or stands to to do it with but yeah stands, there, there's uh, you know, there's some instruments too, I think that sound better on stands, almost as if they're designed just because of their transfer of energy. They sound a little yeah. bit more crisp on a stand versus on your lap. But yeah, yeah for, for me, I definitely think yeah. lap playing is the, the ideal situation. Uh-huh. Yeah. I notice it's getting dark here. Is it too, let me see if I raise this shade up here. Does that do anything? Not a little bit. No. Um, it, I yeah, like the helix. It's dark here on the canal. <laughs> I'm on the Seneca Cayuga canal which is uh i wonder if you could see that if i turn my computer around oh wow it's a beautiful spot wow 
think it's probably the longest of the of the Finger Lakes. Have you heard of the Finger Lakes? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like six hundred feet deep and about thirty eight miles long. Wow, mile. It's a big big lake for around here. And then with this canal, uh, you know, you can actually get to the Hudson River or to the St. Lawrence Seaway and get out to New York City or to anywhere. It'll take you a long time, but it's you know, New York's like three hundred and twenty miles from here in New York City. New York's a fantastic state too. I really I, I hadn't spent I played at a show in upstate New York a couple of years ago, but after that particular show I, I went and tried to explore as many of the waterfalls as I could in that area and just it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, Have you what's seen available Tagonic there. Falls? Did you get to Tagonic, the big no, one? No, we went to Catterskill, um money brook falls a lot of them were were very different than massachusetts waterfalls too just in the way that they eroded the rock face and there's a lot of waterfalls that have a slate bottom right. or an old mud bottom so there's fossils right. at the bottom of them it was fantastic fantastic the tagonic falls is higher than niagara falls is actually the highest falls east of the rocky mountains really and it's a short drive from where i'm living right now i did a whole video a one minute video on instagram and i put some original music on it and and, and showed three different flows wow. uh, of the of the waterfall, and it's pretty it's pretty cool. If you get a chance, check it out. It's, yeah, it's on my Instagram. It's just I think it's just called Tagonic Falls, but um, uh, yeah, I love this area. I, I really can't believe that I've been away for so long. And yeah. I always thought California, you can't beat it in terms of the natural environment. And there are some things there that you just you know. I mean, how are you going to replace a redwood forest or? Right. A coastal, you know, one on the coast and places like in the desert. I love the desert. Mm -hmm. But there's just something right about this area that's so old and weathered in such a beautiful way. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just exploring it in a, in a whole new, uh, in my older age right now. Really <laughs> it. Yeah. I feel like upstate New York feels like an extension it has the same feeling to me as Western Mass has. Once you get past yeah. middle Massachusetts, it, something changes. And I don't know if well, it's... Western just... Mass is amazing. I, I love Western Mass, yeah. I, 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 back in the day when I was a hitchhiker, I, I was in uh, Albany. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine dropped me off there. I was visiting, visiting him in Albany. I needed to get to Boston. So I was going to hitchhike to Boston. So um, uh, he, he dropped me off at a 76 station. I started talking to these truckers. I'm like, hey, man, can you give me a ride? You know, uh, where are you going? Where are you going? So one guy had a car carrier, you know, one of these big trucks yep. that carry cars. And, uh, and I said, hey, man, can you give me a ride? He goes, it's against the rules to have me you have you in the cab with me. But there's nothing in the rule book that says you can't be up there. I go, you got to be kidding. Oh, my God. You're going to let me get up in the car? I go, I go, which one? He goes, get in the front one. I don't care. So I drove through the Berkshire Mountains on top of a car oh carrier. <laughs> it was so awesome. That's amazing. It was. That's crazy. It was like the. It was. It, I mean, it was a view that you really, you know, you can't imagine yeah. being up that high. But oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so much. To, that, that's the kind of the beautiful thing about the U.S. too is it's it, the environment is so diverse depending on where where you are. You know, California yeah. feels completely different from the East Coast. Yeah. And Florida feels completely different from the North. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And then there's the Everglades, which is yes. all of Florida. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's got its own natural environment. And wow, the moon is coming up right now and it's bright orange and it's amazing. I don't know if you can see it for where you're at, but it's, it's pretty incredible. I'm kind of out on a hill, so I have to look afterwards. Yeah, you have to check this out. It's like a big harvest moon coming up. That's yeah. fantastic.
I can't believe we're already this far into the season. Like I was saying, it's yeah. a crazy year, but I am, I am glad for more time to create music and to, you know, spend time. Yeah, this is a crazy time. And it is, a, uh, I think, an important time to kind of reflect on what's happening and maybe yes. bring more, more goodness in the world in whatever way you can. And yep. I get, I get, uh, you know, uh, incensed with the political uh, issues that are going on and the divide divisive issues and mm-hmm. you know and i'm all over the place i mean i'm in georgia southern georgia i'm in louisiana i'm in california i'm in new york i'm you know i'm around all these places and i and i see that there's just really good people out there no matter what and, yep. and we all kind of get you know intensely involved with uh you know what the media has to feed us or what yes um, and we have to be careful about losing our souls in that whole world i so. agree that's kind of the, it's the Hegelian dialectic, you know, divide people so that they're easier to conquer apart yeah. than together, yeah. you know, yeah. but that's the beauty of the Hong. That's the beauty of handpans and music is that you can disagree with another person. You could still appreciate the same, the same music or the same, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. I, I like that interconnectedness, even in communities across the world with yeah. the handpan community, there's, there's a, whether it's guitar or whether it's mandolin, there's there's a connection wherever you are if, if you meet a fellow player or someone who plays in the same vein as you. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate yeah. that. It reminds us of our humanness, I think, when we were able to make musical connections. Yes, indeed. Yes, but, indeed. Yeah. So where... Yeah, do you know what time it is? I'm... It is 7.12. Yeah, I'm probably in about... Probably have to wrap things up pretty soon. I'm supposed to... My brother, who lives next door, and another brother are all getting together and nice. having, having dinner next door. So, I'm Well, where can people here. find your music and get in touch with you, and what's your social media? Yeah, uh, I'm at uh, Matt Venuti Music on Instagram and Facebook, Matt Venuti Music. Uh, and I'm at Matt, uh, www.mattvenuti.com. Venuti is V-E-N-U-T-I, and that's my website. And I love hearing from people. I like connecting with people. I've been, I was shy around that for quite a while. And now with um, everything that's changing, I'm realizing I have to up my social media presence. Yes, I understand that. Uh, Yeah. So I'm kicking and screaming into that world. Uh, Starting to respond to people because I was always like, oh God, I, I, this, this impersonal thing, I, I just really couldn't wrap my, my mind around it, but you know, I'm trying to do it and trying to realize the good in it. And uh, so please, yeah, touch in and uh, private messages are always good because that way I definitely will, you know, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. So it'd be great to connect with people. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting. It was, it was interesting to hear about your rewild your soul. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. I feel like I'm rewilding in a sense, you know, back in, back in the wilds of uh, central New York and yeah. And I appreciate what you put out there too, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Hope to talk to you soon. All right. All the best. Stay well. Take care.